Blog Talk Radio. Turnbuckle Turmoil fans, welcome to the show here on another Sunday afternoon. Sign Guy with you, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, on location at the MGW Green Room. He's getting some Green Room interviews, but real fast before we jump into the interview with our guest today, if you're looking for some professional wrestling today, reactivate pro wrestling happening in Richland, Washington today, RVW in Danville, Illinois Slave to the Deathmatch Tournament Finals today in Denver, Colorado So there's also Blue Collar Wrestling like every Sunday night in Portland, Oregon So if there is a show near you, go out and support some of the local independent pro wrestling near you Without further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show today He is a longtime professional wrestler Fantastic at what he does. Wild Man Beast, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Our pleasure to have you. And since, surprisingly enough, it is your first time with us, I'm going to start you out today with the traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Well, actually, my grandmother got me very interested in wrestling. It's a funny story. You know, every Sunday after church, she would go in a bedroom and close her room door, and I would, she had a sailor mouth, you know, but I would hear her, kick his behind, kick this, kick this, and I happened to peek in, and it was a match against the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Dusty Rhodes. Now, when you... Start to get into the business yourself. Did you have any type of background that was going to prepare you for what professional wrestling was, be it an athletic background or martial arts or drama or anything like that, or was it a completely new world for you? Basically, um, I have an athletic background. I ran track, played baseball, volleyball, and I also took Taekwondo and Hakido and Karate. So when I when I oh. basically got into the business, I was basically mentally prepared for a lot of things. But with the training that I had actually got, it was tougher than I thought it was. Now, taking martial arts like you did, I'm sure prepared you for learning how to take the bumps and protect yourself and so forth. You said it was harder than you thought. Did you have a preconceived idea of what wrestling was going into it, or were you sort of open to what might be something different than what you would expect? It was something out of the blue that I wasn't really expecting, and, you know, when my body went through the training, it was totally different from any martial arts class or anything like that. It's Professional wrestling is one of the toughest business there is. You know, professional wrestlers do sustain more injuries than any other sport in the world that I consider of. Oh, you are based in the Midwest, and you've made your rounds all over the map, really. But for someone like yourself that's there in the Midwest, which is a hotbed of professional wrestling at all times, do you find it easier to make more of a living where you're at for independent professional wrestling than if you were 
in a different area of the country? I I basically from from the thirty five plus years I've been in the professional wrestling business, um, it's be, actually become a living for me. I you know, like, like you said, I do travel all over, you know, especially for a company down in Puerto Rico called HSW in Puerto Rico. I travel over there once in a while, and it's a beautiful thing to get the experience in different countries and states. I've traveled to Michigan. I've traveled to, you know, basically Wisconsin for battle-tested pro wrestling or West Ailey's. I've traveled for MWA professional wrestling over in Nebraska, um, and also I want to say I've wrestled for Herb Simmons for SICW. I've wrestled for Intense Championship Wrestling, you know, in Marion, Indiana, Championship International Wrestling in Hudson, Michigan, Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme in Streeter, Illinois. I wrestled for the American Wrestling Federation on national TV. I've also done, you know, job matches for WCW back in my prime days. You bring up the American Wrestling Federation that was on national TV. They were a very unique company in that they utilized a round system. Was it easy for you to adapt to having rounds for your matches or was it something of a a setback for you uh, as you learn to get used to it? It was a setback for me to just learn something new for the round system. It was something totally different that was brought up in a professional wrestling. It's something that you have to get used to, you know, when you have rounds. You know, it was like boxing, but, you know, in a different aspect, you know. You, you, the, the wrestlers, whoever you was wrestling, they had to get up before the 10 count and stuff like that. So, it was a total different aspect. I'm used to get up and go and, you know, do do what you have to do as a professional wrestler. But once you get used to the round system, it was still kind of different because everyone has their own different style of wrestling. So we had to get used to the, the round system. But, you know, in the long run, you learn a lot of different things in professional wrestling. Most definitely. I in the AWF, there's a lot of guys there that came off national television. It was a who's who of guys that have been national stars, people like Greg Valentine, Tommy Rich, Tony Atlas, Chris Adams, Tito Santana, Bob Orton, the list goes on and on. At that stage in your career, how helpful was it to just be around a locker room that had so many guys that had been to the highest levels of the industry. It was it was always a great honor, you know, to to experience everything, you know, and I learned a lot of um guys personally outside of the wrestling business. You know, a great mentor to me, God rest his soul, was Harley Race. He basically taught me the how to respect and, you know, pay your dues in the professional wrestling business and and learn from a lot of the guys that paved the way for the generations and generations to come. And, you know, and like I said, since I've been doing this for 35 years, I've, you know, gained a lot of respect from a lot of peers of mine, you know, throughout the world, you know, who know me inside the ring and outside of the ring. One of the scarier incidents out of the AWF was when my mentor, the dice man, Ronnie Vegas, had his neck broken in a match with Greg Valentine. That was definitely a very, very scary injury. And I'm sure as long as you've been in this industry, you've seen a lot of scary injuries. It's just part of the business. What are some of the scarier injuries that you've witness the people on shows you've been on so far? Well, from my professional aspect of it all, I basically seen guys get their shoulders dislocated or either a broken leg or, you know, flying out of the ring and, you know, not landing properly 
and smashing their face and snapping their neck. So it's wrestling is a very risky business. It's very dangerous. You know, like I said, professional wrestlers, we put our bodies through a lot that the average person could not do. For sure. And like we said, you've traveled all over the map for professional wrestling. As someone that has traveled quite a bit in their career, what tips would you give young wrestlers that are just starting their journey as far as traveling on the road and being able to make things work? Here's my first um, business of expect. I would those guys that are basically, you know, doing this for the first time, open your ears, keep your mouth shut, and listen to the guys that paved the way. If there's guys that's in the locker room, you get up, show the respect of shaking their hands and saying, hello, sir, how are you? Introduce yourself. Bring a um, notebook. Write down notes. That's how you learn. If there's a veteran in that locker room, if they're not busy doing other things, their brain, that, that shows them that you're interested in the wrestling business because nowadays a lot of the veterans that come in there would like you to ask them questions, but basically don't bug them to a point where they get picked off. Ask them questions, ask advice. What's the best advice to, you know, promote yourself, you know, keep that, that, that energy level going, but always, always the number one rule is be very, very, very respectful in this business. Well said. One of the other hotbeds of professional wrestling traditionally is north of the border of the United States, that being Canada. Canada has always had a really passionate fan base when it comes to professional wrestling, but sometimes what the Canadian fans like and expect will differ from what fans in other areas expect and like. Do you get up to Canada very often to wrestle, and do you see the differences in what the fans want out of their pro wrestling? Yes, I have a a friend of mine named Danny Warren. He actually runs a promotion out in Canada, and um, him and I have talked, and he he wants to bring me down, but with everything that's going on with this COVID and stuff, you know, really can't cross the border at the moment. Um, Canada is a great country to actually wrestle for. They're very more of strong style wrestling, you know, and they, they, they love their wrestling, you know, and can I, I, I would love to, you know, travel back over there and wrestle again. And, you know, with their style out there, it's very, very strong style. They like to see the wrestling aspect of professional wrestling, not the entertainment part. They want to see wrestling. They want to see two, you know, guys that actually look like their character and actually can wrestle. And with me being the size that I am, I'm 450 pounds. I'm very agile for a 450-pound gentleman. And when people look at me when I come out, they're like, oh, my God. And then they see what I'm capable of doing in the ring. This is one of the shockers to a lot of fans. And when I'm leaving the building to get in my vehicle, they'll ask me, how do you do this? And you, you know, you're this big. You know, they figure, you know, I can only go in there three minutes and that's it. And when they actually see that I can wrestle and actually can move for a 450-pound guy, it's very shocking to them to see someone that very agile and actually can move. You don't see a lot of big guys that can actually, you know, move quickly and stuff like that. Another large, very agile wrestler, someone I know that you have crossed paths with quite a bit in your career, that being Chief Atakula Kula, he says he's starting to come to the end of the trail. I know he has been a big part of your career what are your fond memories of Chief Atacula Kula? <laughs> Chief Atacula Kula and I have had many battles. We've had Taipei death matches in Portland, Oregon. Um, we've teamed up together. We we know each other like 
a book, you know, when we out there, we literally beat the crap out of each other. It's like he tried to out top me. I try to out top him. He's has been one of like one of my toughest opponents. You know, we've traveled on the road together. We have so much mutual respect for each other and the business that we do. And like Chief said, he's coming down to the end of his road, and so am I. You know, our bodies is at the point where we hurt, and but but what's in our hearts, we still want to do it, but we know we can't. But if it came down to it, I would like to have one my final final match with Chief Alakula Kula. Hopefully, that will be something that fans get to see. I'm sure they would love one more out of the two of you. Another person that uh, you have crossed paths with is someone that has crossed paths with Chief both as an opponent and as a partner. I'm sure you have had some ring time with him as well. I'm talking about Diafula the Butcher Debashi. What's it like when you're in a show with someone as crazy and as unpredictable as Diafula Debashi? Abula Dabashi, he's another great friend of mine. I have the utmost respect for him. Dabashi and I never actually wrestled each other. His style, he was trained by Abdullah the Butcher. You know, I'm great friends with Abdullah, you know, and everyone says I look like Abdullah the Butcher, but my style is totally different. I respect Abdullah and Dabashi's, you know, persona, but my style is totally different. If Dabashi and I ever got in there, I would it would be one of the most brutal butt-kicking matches people would ever want to see. Agreed. Hopefully we'll get that. Uh, Debashi just very recently has started his own coffee line, and he's come out with a few different blends of coffee. A lot of people within the wrestling business over the last couple of years have started producing lines of coffee. Uh, We have Claudio Castagnoli, Steve Carino, Rosemary and Bunny, Dan Housen. They all have their blends of coffee. Do you think we'll ever get a wild man beast blend of coffee? (laughs) Well, I I'm, I love drinking coffee. I would support anyone that um, drinks coffee. My favorite place of all is going down to Michigan or near the Ohio area, near Marion, Ohio, something out in that area, called Timmy Hortons. It's a Canadian-based coffee brewing company, and they have, like, the best coffee that I've tasted since I'm in the Midwest area. So when I go across in Michigan and Ohio area, Timmy Hortons is one of the places that I love going to. But my perspective on everything, I'm a great cook, and I'm going to open up like a family restaurant with my homemade cooking because I was, uh, you know, I used to do chef classes. I studied for chef classes, so I'm great in the kitchen. I love cooking. Now, when you get the family restaurant going, are you going to call Debashi and see if you can – make a deal and serve Debashi's coffee at the restaurant? That that would be the definite thing that I would do. I would call Debashi to call him, hey, look, bring your coffee down this way, and you can sell your coffee brand here. Because Debashi actually came to my home one time. You know, there's very few people that is invited to the Wild Man Beast home. And Debashi, he does, you know, I, I, he, I understand, you know, his religion and everything, but he was the first person he ever tried the beef, the wild man beef homemade potato salad. Very interesting. I did not know that. Yes. This time of year, we are starting to wrap up outdoor shows in wrestling in a lot of the country as the weather starts to turn. Outdoor shows are generally a staple in a lot of places if the weather is cooperative enough and they can pose different challenges than a standard inside venue does. Do you personally have a preference on working 
outdoor venues versus indoor venues? Well, here's a funny story. You may laugh. When I was younger, I didn't mind wrestling in the the humidity, the heat and everything. But as you get older and the sun is beaming off of the ring, off the canvas itself, you just, you think, okay, there's literally smoke coming off the canvas. Do I want to do this? But you you have to have the mindset, okay, I have to do this for the fans. They paid to see wrestling. I'm going to give them their money's worth, what they paid for. I'm not going to. I'm not. I don't want to disappoint anyone. But I, I like the indoor venues better because you, you get more of a, you, you get the outside aspect, but the, the, the buildings are more of a better thing because the fans, when you're in, like, it's not enclosed, but when you're in an arena or something, you can actually hear the cheers, the boos, and you know, people just really get rowdy there. Now, you've been to countless venues for professional wrestling, I'm sure. Do you have a personal favorite venue for whatever reason, be it the aesthetics or just the energy of the crowd or because of where it's located, anything that sticks in your mind as being favorite? Well, like I was saying, I I, want to say something. I want to send, you know, present to my family out in Puerto Rico with the tornadoes and stuff going on. HSW is one of the best arenas I've actually been to. The Puerto Rican fans out there are like, they, they love their wrestling. They, you know, the, the, just the intensity and the screaming and yelling. And they, they really, really get into the professional wrestling. And, you know, Illinois itself is like the best home base for professional wrestling as well. Like I said, I've wrestled for a company called Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme and also for Herb Simmons SICW, you know, here in Illinois. So, you know, once the crowd sees the old school wrestling and stuff like that, it's it's a great feeling when you hear your music playing or whether you have music or not and you walk outside those curtains and that crowd is just boo or booing you, whatever they want to do that's when you get that adrenaline rush and you know that, okay, it's, it's showtime. It's time to do this. Oh, you also have been around long enough that you know one of the more thankless jobs in professional wrestling is the job of Booker. It's an important job, but a lot of times – Fans don't necessarily appreciate it because they aren't really privy to the role of Booker and what it really is. A lot of the wrestlers don't truly appreciate how difficult a job it is. Is booking something that you've tried to do so far in your career? And do you see a time when maybe that's a direction you would want to go for the rest of your career? Actually, um, several years ago, I did run my own company, and it, it it's it's a lot of hard work, you know. With with my it was with my travels, trying to you know book shows and stuff for my own company back in my day, and being the booker and the owner, it, it's a hard job, you know. Now, I still travel, and I'm also one of the head bookers slash promoters for Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme in Streeter, Illinois at North Point Arena. And I, I book a lot of the talent now and I, you know, write the storylines. And it's 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 a very, very tough job. You know, you have to deal with making sure that the building is up to par, make sure that your guys are there, you know. It's it's a lot, I mean, a lot of hard work. A lot of people are like, oh, it's easy. No, it's it's very hard because once, like I said, once I retire from the wrestling industry, I will do more behind the scenes things as booking matches, writing storylines, and trying to show these guys what it was like back in the day. You know, a lot of the guys that I book for, you know, that that I bring up to Illinois, they basically see and they respect, you know, what I what I say because I'm I'm a professional in the locker room. And a lot of the newer guys come up to me 
for advice. You know, they look up to me, and I, I don't steer them wrong. You know, yes, I'm a herd, but when it comes to the booking and stuff, but they see where I'm coming from, and then they take that elsewhere, wherever they're booked at, and say, hey, you know, this is what, how some things will go and then when they when other promoters and stuff find out that I'm a booker, they'll call me for suggestions, and I'll give them the best knowledge that I possibly can. A lot of times when somebody has the role of booker, it's hard for them to explain to guys that they don't have a spot on a show for them and you'll have maybe 50, 60 guys wanting a spot on a show when you can realistically have 15 to 20. When you book shows, do you find that there's heat on other shows you're at because of this situation or in your personal situation with booking, does it not come into play as much for you? No, it doesn't come into play with me. Like I said, a lot of promotions highly respect me because of my professionalism in the business. I don't try to step on anyone's toes. I'm very, 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 you know, well-known and very well-respected by a lot of peers and a lot of different companies. You know, I, I, I have no what they call in wrestling heat with any other promotions. You know, a lot of people respect me and everything out there and, you know, everything is run by the books, and they know, hey, Beast is very professional. We have nothing against him. So, you know, I, I respect everyone. You know, when other companies run things, you know, I don't deal with the politics nor the drama in professional wrestling. Another important aspect of professional wrestling that a lot of times will be overlooked is that of the ring announcer. The ring announcers are usually the face of the company. A lot of fans will just presume that the ring announcer is the person that runs the show and they look to them to be in charge of a show. The ring announcers are responsible for getting all the pertinent information that the fans need to them in a competent manner. Who are some of the ring announcers out there that you have worked with that may not get the credit that they deserve? Hopefully that's okay. I'm going to tell you from experience. When I made my debut wrestling for WCW at the Cobo Arena in Detroit, Michigan, I was wrestling the Barbarian. Nick Patrick's was the referee. And I've always watched this gentleman ring announce, and I said one of these days before I, I even retire, I want him. It's Gary Michael Capetta. Now, when he actually introduced me, I had goosebumps going everywhere. When I walked outside the curtain, it was like a dream come true. It's like me being a kid in a candy shop, and I finally got that favorite piece of candy that I've always wanted. And Gary Michael Capetta was the gentleman to actually say my name, and I, I that was a dream that I always wanted, and it was fulfilled. Uh, Gary Michael Capetta has written a very good book called Body Slams, and he chronicled his career in the business, which spans many decades now. Wrestling books became very popular the late 90s, early 2000s when Mick Foley had so much success with his first autobiography. So now we have a lot of books on the market, be it autobiographies or historical books or books about certain promotions. What are some of the books that you may have read that you think more people should read about when it comes to professional wrestling? Um, it's, that's a hard question to answer, but, you know, it's just that, you know, I've, I've read a lot and I, 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 you know, some of the stuff I take to heart, you know, because some of it is true and some of it is fictional, but, you know, once you 
you've traveled on the road and everything and you see different aspects of different promotions and how things are ran and stuff like that, you know, basically you just sit back and like go, wow. You know, yes, I've read Mick Foley's book. I've read Gary Michael Capetta's book. You know, Gary Michael Capetta and I, you know, we're still good friends. But, you know, we talk via Facebook, you know, once in a blue moon. In a similar vein to that, there's been a lot of movies made that either centered around professional wrestling or had professional wrestling as part of it. Uh, that goes all the way back to the early days of movies back in the 50s when it was easy to make a wrestling-based movie. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the best wrestling movie out there so far? I've actually like um, the one, I forget the gentleman's name, he, they did The Wrestler. That was actually something that I really enjoyed. It actually tells the hardship and stuff where, you know, how when basically, I, you know, some guys started out, you know, sleeping in your cars, you know, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or peanut butter crackers, you know, buying bottled water, just living out of your car, finding places to shower. And, you know, that's, that's back in the day when your dedic was, you know, your dedication was full to the extreme of traveling and stuff like that. And, you know, go set up, be a ring crew guy, be someone that helps set up the barricades, you know, set up, you know, they needed help with stage and you, you know, that was your basically paying your dues and showing how dedicated you wanted to become a professional wrestler. Now, if someone were to come to you and they wanted to make a movie on professional wrestling, do you think you would be interested if they needed a technical advisor, someone that would be able to help them craft the movie in a way that it was more realistic based on what professional wrestling actually is? Would that be something you think that Wild Man Beast would be able to do. Yes, yes. I'm 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 was brought up in the old school ways, you know. A lot of people's like, Oh, you guys are entertainers and this and this. Okay, here's the aspect. If I was going to be an entertainer, I would be making T V commercials, I would be doing, you know, movies, be on the big screen. I am a professional wrestler. I'm a professional trained athlete. Uh, you talked about earlier in the show having done karate and track and baseball, things of that nature. Do you come across a lot of athletes from different sports that come to you, want to get into professional wrestling, and since they are athletes, maybe they don't take the business as seriously as you would hope they would? Do you run into a lot of that? I actually train train guys, and they, oh, I go to the gym six days a week, and I stay in there four or five hours, and I, I laugh about it. And they're like, oh, my cardio is very good, and once they take five, five minutes to an hour of my training, they're either gassed out or either they're hurtling over a garbage can, puking their guts out, and it's like, this ain't for me. My cardio sucks. I got to hit the gym. Yes, cardio for professional wrestling is much different from when you are on a football field or a baseball field. Training is much different from any other sport. Your cardio has to be very good in professional wrestling. What would you say was the most shocking thing you saw during training where somebody just did something so unbelievably wrong or something so unbelievably right at an early stage that it just blew your mind? 
Oh wow. <laughs> well, with 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 the training, I I had one rookie back. His name was Jacob Ramos. He was a great kid, but he tried to put me down, and he basically said, "Oh, I've seen your videos on YouTube. You, your facts, you're out of shape. You shouldn't be in this business." And I just laughed at him. So what I did, I run like a boot camp training, that which I learned from Buddy Lee Parker, who ran the, the power plant back in Atlanta, Georgia, for WCW. And he always taught me, if someone wants to bash you, let everyone else suffer while, while he sit down and just watch his movies or play games on his phone. So I had about four or five different rookies at that time. So I let them suffer the whole time while he sat down on his cell phone and watched his cartoons or played on his video games. And then at that point, all the other rookies got on him and said, hey, look, we're tired of you bashing, you know, Beast and saying this because we're taking your punishment for what you're doing. And he learned from me as a respectful gentleman and his mother came to me and gave me the biggest hug and said, I don't know what you did to my son, but he's saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's actually doing house chores. He's not in the video games no more. He's actually going out exercising every day. And, and she's like, whatever you did, thank you. And I basically taught him respect, parents, professional wrestling, and everything. And, and, he, he, and he still to this day, I still talk to him. And he said, if it wasn't for me, he would be one of these kids out on the street game banging and stuff like this. He said, I taught him so much self-respect and to respect people, you know, whether they're wrestlers or not. He, you know, and his mom still thanks you to this day, you know, because she said he, she was about to give up on her own son. And I, I just changed his whole aspect and mind aspect of respecting people. Once he got through the training, he, he's been a great kid ever since. Now, obviously, Buddy Lee Parker is a very, very well-known trainer. The power plant was one of the top places to learn how to become a professional wrestling superstar. If someone came to you today and you were not eligible to train them, what are some of the places you would recommend a prospect go to be trained? I would basically tell them to go to... Bob Orton, Orton Academy. He he trains, you know, he's the head trainer for SICW or Harley Race's camp or, you know, Dustin Rhodes' camp out near Texas or Booker T. I would recommend those highly because, you know, those guys will train you the right way, not the wrong way because there's some people out there that train and are professionally trained the right way and they just basically use people to get their money, that which is basically wrong. Obviously, you've been around it long enough to have seen a lot of fly-by-night schools that were a cash grab and people just looking for a quick buck that maybe ran out before training was completed or didn't really know what they were doing themselves, that type of thing. When you see guys that fall into that trap and maybe they make it to the point where they are on actual shows, do you take those guys aside and try to help them get actual training and be able to further what they do? Or is it something that you figure they have to learn on their own since they made the mistake of going who they went to to start training? I, I try to pull them to the side and help them out with, with their training. Like right now, I'm training a gentleman at Powerhouse Wrestling and Stream called Austin Baldrich. He's one of my rookies right now, and he's learned a lot of things from me as his you know his trainer. He's actually been on a couple of road trips with me, and he's going to be one of my top, top rookies right now, you know, because he's eager to learn. He's been writing, you know, he's been studying a lot of matches, you know, old school matches. He's been, you know, writing notebooks. And like I said, Austin Baldrich is like one of my top rookies right now. He's eager to learn. But I'll say give him 
to the end of next year or in 2024, you will see him make his debut and you will see the 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 experience and knowledge that this kid knows. He, he, he's going to become a great – he's one of my great students and he's going to go far. One of the other parts of being a rookie wrestler is learning sort of the traditions and the etiquette of professional wrestling. In locker rooms I've been, I noticed a lot of those ways have become passe. You don't see guys playing cribbage in the locker rooms like 30, 40 years ago. Um, you don't hear a lot of the same stories. You don't hear the carny language being used hardly at all, things of that nature. Do you think that some of these traditions and etiquettes that have slipped by us in recent years need to make a return, or do you think that the evolution we've seen is right for the business? It, it needs to come back because a lot of the newer guys don't don't know the carny and you know, the, like I said, the professionalism of wrestling. You know, they, you know, they think, okay, I have a body, I I can come in, I can do this, or they don't know the aspect of leaving your character in the ring and in the building. Once you leave out on being in the public eye, yes, you can portray yourself as a character, but there's a certain minimal of what we call kayfabe, that that's that's becoming a non-existent thing. Myself, I keep it as much kayfabe as I possibly can. A lot of people don't realize that I can actually talk the way that I talk, but when I'm in the ring, they look at me and they just see this big behemoth, you know, gentleman in there doing what he does. And, you know, when I'm leaving a building, some people are scared to come up to me. They just look at me, and, you know, even little kids walk up very slowly and are scared to, you know, come up and ask me for an autograph. And I'll, I'll just look at them, and then I'll just say, yeah, sure. And then they, they eyes a buck, like, holy crap, he could talk English. But, you know, I've gained a lot of respect from a lot of fans of mine. I have a huge following. Um, I have fans out in Liverpool, England. Um, some, I have fans over in Japan. I, you know, I've basically sold merchandise to some of my friends over in Liverpool, England, and and I'm a, like a big talk over there because you know they see a shirt with the Wild Man Beast and everybody like, where are you getting this shirt from? We, oh, this guy looks cool. He he looks, and you know the fans that actually know me and are fans on my Facebook page. They say, hey, here he is, and then they'll go to my YouTube channel and let me like, holy crap, is that Abdullah the Butcher? And that's, I get that a lot every time I walk out the curtains or when I'm leaving a building. People who's been around wrestling for years come up to me and say, sir, I'm, I don't want to insult you, but when you walked out through those curtains, we thought you were Abdullah the Butcher. I, I, all I can do is laugh, and I say, thank you for that, for that acknowledgement. Thank you very much. Like you said, you have a different style from Abdullah the Butcher, but a similar look. When you're advertised on a show, do you get the sense that some of the fans are expecting to see Abdullah the Butcher, or do you think that by and large they understand that you're a different person from Abdullah the Butcher? They they think that, you know, Abdullah's going to come out. They'll look at the flyer. You may laugh when you hear this. I've been on several flyers for different promotions, and different promotions have been banned on social media due to the fact because of the upper body of the wild man beast. So they they have to put other wrestlers around my body due to the fact that I have this girthy upper body. And then when fans actually see my face, they like, is that Abdullah? Is that? And then when I, you know, get to the arena or whatever, and I, like I said, when I walk out the curtain, I can hear some of the people in the crowd 
like, holy crap, we thought Abdullah retired. He still he looks young. And I go out there and I do what I do. And like I said, once I leave the arenas, there there some some fans who've been watching wrestling for years come up to me, sir. We don't mean no disrespect, but you look just like Abdullah the Butcher. And I, you know, and I I say thank you very much. Before it closed down, did you ever get the opportunity to eat at Abdullah the Butcher's House of Ribs and Chinese food? No, I didn't. That was one of my dreams, and I was in Atlanta visiting family, and I didn't know exactly where it was at. And that I'm kind of upset that I didn't, but I did actually meet Abdullah the Butcher when um, I was just a green, what we call a green guy. I actually had the opportunity to meet Abdullah the Butcher face-to-face in WCW. I was literally scared of him, but Abdullah is one of the nicest, kind-hearted men in the wrestling business. He's a business person, someone that a lot of guys fear, but one of the nicest guys around, and I, I respect him to the utmost and to the fullest. I had the pleasure of eating there one time. The fish was incredible. It was well worth the trip. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we mentioned Chief and Debashi, and they had their run-in at Abdullah the Butcher's House of Ribs and Chinese Restaurant, and there was a bit of a brawl there. Some police may have been called to the scene after that. And... <laughs> In the last few years, Abdullah has gone on record as saying he wanted one more match with Diafula Debashi based on that incident. Uh, he just in the last couple of months was on Chris Jericho's podcast saying that very thing. As someone that is sort of associated with Abdullah the Butcher, how much would it mean to you to be able to be on that show with Debashi versus Abdullah the Butcher in Abdullah's very final match. That that would be a great honor. That would be God, a, a dream a dream come true for me. I I would be honored and privileged if I was actually booked on that event. Hopefully that becomes a reality at some point in the near future. For young listeners that have dreams of working in the professional wrestling industry but are not cut out for the actual wrestling aspect, what are some of the roles that you know and that you have booked that might be suitable for some people to be involved in the business without actually having to wrestle? Actually, there's ways of, you know, being a part of professional wrestling. You can always go to arenas and ask, can you be part of the ring crew? Because the ring people that actually bring the ring and the railing and the stage, you can always feel free to drive up to the arenas and ask, is it okay? Do you need any, you know, extra hands to help you out, help set up barricades and stuff like that? And, of course, that's uh, basically a free ticket because ring crew guys are always looking for help no matter where they go. Just just lend a helping hand and, you know, yeah, you can be the, you, you can be the biggest wrestling fan. This would be an opportunity to help set up a ring, help set up the stage and stuff, and maybe, you know, you'll get an opportunity to meet some of the people that actually are wrestling on the event themselves. You know, that'll be a great opportunity, but you won't be allowed backstage, but, you know, you'll get an opportunity from the ring crew guy or the ring crew gentleman. They say, hey, look, there's a couple of guys who helped me set up the ring. You know, is it okay if we get to have a couple of guys sign autographs for them and stuff like that? I mean, that's how you pay, pay your way of, you know, if you, if you ever dream to become a professional wrestler, still lend out a helping hand. If, there, if you see an independent wrestling event in town, just just take a car ride up there and ask, hey, you need help with, with your ring. They'll, they'll, the ring crew guy will be like, sure. You know, it's it's always great to 
show you know show your support for for the independent wrestling. You know, I always say support indie wrestling, whether you're a fan or not. Just you know, lend a helping hand because you 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 never know. As someone that has booked wrestling before, did you ever scout the other aspects of the show, say people in the ring crew or people doing production or the ring announcing or whatever, and see a potential role for them outside of that and switch them to something else? Or did you tend to keep people in the slots where they were booked. I I, I, tr- I try to see potential in other people, you know, if they're good, if say if my ring announcer is very good at, um, you know, backstage handheld, you know, I can bring them back there and switch them over to commentating, you know, you know, or, you know, helping run the backstage, you know, being a stage hand, helping with the guys, you know, in the back, you know, it's it's a lot of aspects, you know, that that's there's a lot of basically open jobs in the back that you can actually help out with behind the scenes and stuff like that. You don't have to always be a ring announcer or, you know, a commentator. There's always things in the back where you can help out that much. I don't want to give any behind the scenes secrets, but there's a lot of things that you can do in behind the curtain in the backstage area, you know, commentating is one of them. You know, if you always love talking on the microphone, just being you and just talking, you know, that, that'd be, you know, there's a lot of guys who have great voices can actually don't have to be a ring announcer. They can be a great commentator. Well, right now my co-host coach Mike Jones has joined us from, on the road. So, Coach, I will pass things over to you. Hey, Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most, coming at you from coast to coast here in Puyallup, Washington, getting ready for a big journey. But, hey, it's been an honor to be your Facebook friend and follow you for a long time now and have you on the show. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honor to finally meet you via phone. Yeah, hey. I, I, I do my best, you know, traveling out there up and down the roads, through mountaintops, low mountaintops, through the valleys, through the jungles, through it all. Okay, and then uh, I know it's getting close to the end of the live show. Um, hey, Sign, do you know if he answered any of my uh, regular questions? We know all about the coffee, Coach. Okay, you do. Okay. <laughs> all right, well. So, hey, Beast, uh, who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was sports, music, or ordinary life, or wrestling? Well, sports is, you know, Ric Flair, Dusty Rose, the Road Warriors, uh, you know, a lot of great old-school wrestlers, Hardy Race, you know, like I said, Abdullah the Butcher, the Sheik, you know, Nikolai Volkov, you know, I love, I'm sorry, but I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. You know, Garth, I'm, I'm a country man, too. I love Garth Brooks, Billy Ray Cyrus, you know. I, I love all kinds of alternative music, R&B, rock and roll, you know, a few rap songs, you know, more old school rapping. You know, I love Marvin Gaye, Motown, you, you name it. Okay, right on. And then we do have a question from a longtime fan. I think this guy is Sign Guy's biggest fan. His name is Kurt Ferris. He's from the Midwest. He wants to know, would Wildman Beast and Beast Barnett agree to a Quattro Thumbtack match if we can get QT Vokes to return from sabbatical to officiate? Yes, I'll, I'm, I'll be more than honored to do that. Nice. Are you familiar with Kurt Ferris? No, no, I'm not. Okay. All right, well, we try to get his questions in every every week. Uh, unfortunately, we got, we got like a 95% uh, 
uh, success rate on getting his questions out there, but we do our best. <laughs> okay. All right. No problem. Anyway, so uh, what was some of the most memorable matches you've seen or been in? Most memorable matches I've seen are like, uh, you know, the scaffold match against the Midnight Express, against the Road Warriors, um, the War Games. Yeah, it's there's a lot, you know, like Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero matches, you know, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. It's, you know, Steven Regal against Dean Malenko. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that I've, I've actually seen, you know. Okay, it's, it's just, yeah. An un- unbelievable sport. Now, what about some that you've been in? Some of them, you know, you know the great, you know, legend, you know, Chief Alakula Kula. You know, him and I've had some great battles. You know, one of my other dream matches is I want to wrestle Atila Khan in SICW for Herb Simmons. Um, there's a lot of great matches I've been in. You know, I've been in tag team matches. I've been in six man tag matches. You know, you name it. Okay, right on. Did you play sports in uh, high school or growing up? Yes, I was. I ran track and field, played baseball. I was defensive tackle, you know, and I, I love swimming. So that, that's a lot of stuff that I did, you know, in my young prime days. Okay, and then, hey, uh, I better check with the boss since I'm late today and uh, at least lucky enough to even be on. Uh, how much time is left on the show, Sign? Uh, we got about three minutes left. Now, uh, we're not going any longer than that? We can as the Wild Man Beast can go a few minutes. Yes, that's fine with so, me. Okay, just wanted to double check. Well, well, before the live show ends, let's go ahead and get get your plugs out there. How do people get a hold of you, and what do you got coming up? Actually, they can go on my Facebook fan page under the Wild Man Beast on Facebook. Um, I have some upcoming events coming up September 24th. This coming Saturday at Powerhouse Wrestling in the Stream at North Point Arena in Streeter, Illinois. And then I also have uh, several other bookings at MWA Professional Wrestling in Arlington Heights, October 30th. Then Battle Tested Pro Wrestling, November 6th in West Ailey's, Wisconsin. And they can check all the other details and information where I'm actually going to be appearing at on my Facebook fan page. And they can also check out my YouTube channel at Beast369420. Anything else you want to plug and promote? That's about it. I, you know, check out SICW with her, for Herb Simmons. Check out, you know, I, I post a lot of things on my fan page that everyone can actually check out. I always add, put the links and stuff on and just check it out. Come on, you know, support Indie Wrestling and the Wild Man Beast. Hashtag Geek the Wild Man Beast. Right on. Okay, and then what's your self-defense background? Taekwondo, Hakito, and Karate. Okay, and then who are some of your toughest opponents? Chief Alakula Kula, Congo Kong, um, there's there's a few others. Fabian Barbosa. Um who else? Who else there I I'm getting older, so there's there's a few others that, that actually been been like my toughest opponents, but those those names that I just mentioned are are tough. The toughest one I've had this year in twenty twenty two is Fabian Barbosa. He's an upcoming Rising star and powerhouse wrestling extreme. He's one tough SOB. I can tell you that much. And sign, have you got to see any of those battles? Uh, I have uh, not very many in person, but I have seen a lot of Wildman on video. Okay, and then Beast, what are your suggestions for people who want to get into the business? Just go out there. Be be when you come in. It's just like going to a job interview. Dress professionally, act professionally, and be professional around the athletes and professional wrestlers themselves. Don't come in with a negative attitude because you will get turned away so quickly. And 
you will lose the respect from a lot of wrestlers. Just come in there professionally, shake everyone's hand, and just be professional. It's just like going to a normal job interview or you're going to a big office building to fill out an application for for some of the biggest independent companies around. Yes, right on. And who who are your favorite people to work? My favorite people is um, I've worked uh, Rafael Guerrero. I worked um, Phil Monahan over in Hudson, Michigan. I've wrestled, um, had the opportunity to wrestle Battle Tested Ben in Wisconsin. Um, the, and the list the list goes on and on. I want to wrestle a few other people before I actually retire from, from the industry, you know, that I have uh, a bucket list for. I've wrestled Max Holiday. I've wrestled, oh, God, a lot of, a lot of the great, great independent workers. Okay, and then what schools do you suggest? I will recommend Harley Race Academy, the Bob Orton Academy over at SICW, Booker T, Dustin Rhodes Academy out in Texas. You know, there's some great companies, you know, Black and Brave. You know, there's there's great, you know, I also train as well, but I'm not one of the bigger names out there, but I do train train guys. Okay, and then uh... – since you've been out there so long, I would imagine you've wrestled Kevin Sullivan. I've never wrestled Kevin Sullivan, but I've met him in person, and him and I actually sat down and talked back when I was a rookie in my WCW days. Okay, right on. All right. And then let me see. Uh, all right, well, I really appreciate it, uh, and thanks for your, your extra time. I was going to let everybody know they can check me out at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most. Also, Coach Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to check me out at the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews, the Seattle Mariners Organizational Report, and Cincinnati Reds. Also, the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every Saturday at noon Pacific. And then I want to thank my sponsor, A Plus Payless Handyman Services. Check them out, man. They're the best. We appreciate them so much. And thank you so much, Beast. We appreciate you. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, guys. It's been a great honor. Thank you for having me. And it's been a great interview. And once again, come out, hashtag Beat the Beast. Come out and support the Wild Man Beast in any independent promotion wherever you're at, wherever you're at across the border. Support indie wrestling. Yes, amen. All right, Wild Man Beast, thank you so much. We definitely appreciate this. Hopefully our paths will cross at some point in the near future. Best of luck as you continue on with your career. Thank you very much, guys. Great honor. Thank you again. You're welcome. All right, fans, definitely go check out Wild Man Beast if he is on a show near you. Great talent. You'll be very impressed with his athleticism. Hopefully we'll get that Wild Man Beast versus Debashi thing going perhaps at some point. But as we wrap things up, we want to once again send our best well wishes to former guest of the star, SCW Hall of Fame member, Stevie Jonak, who had her leg amputated the other day due to infection. She's doing well. We wish her continued improvement. And you can find us next week on the show. Next Friday, we have Timothy Bryan out of World's Finest Wrestling. He is a sound engineer for the company. I think that will be a first for us. And then one week from today, Anthony Wayne makes his way to the program, wrestler and referee out of the great state of Tennessee. So make plans to be with us. Go support your local independents wherever they may be, and we will talk to you soon.